Welcome to Energizing Life with AKR Fitness. I'm your host, Lindsay, and joining me today, we have Adam. Hello. And back in the hot seat, we have Mike. Hello. Is this this the hot seat? (laughs) Yeah. All right. Okay. Um, So a few episodes back, uh, it was 36, I think, we talked about how we can be fooled by our own brains. Um, Today, we're going to talk a little bit more about how to protect ourselves from misinformation and fads and delve into the world of science. But before we do that, Adam, you joined us in the last episode. We didn't have a have the opportunity to get to know you. So this is your time to shine. Tell us a little bit about you and what brought you into the coaching world. Okay, well, um, I'm Adam. I'm originally just from down the road in Forfar. I moved to Aberdeen about six years ago to study applied sport and exercise science at RGU. From there, oh gosh, where do I go? I suppose I'll jump straight to AKR. My first steps into AKR were for a placement or for a placement interview at first. Um, I met with Mike, I met with yourself, and before I knew it, I was into six weeks of coaching and classes and having stopwatches thrown at me. So, <laughs> How did you find that experience from going, was it your third year of uni? It was my third year, yeah. And you had, had you had placements before that? We'd had short placements in schools and things like that, mm-hmm. but it was nothing, nothing like what the third year placement uh-huh. was. What made you apply for here? <laughs> you can be honest. <laughs> this is where I totally out myself. <laughs> the real reason, I, I'll be totally open and honest and say I wasn't looking forward to placement. I was probably really comfortable at uni and quite happy just coasting along, sitting at the back of lectures and not really doing anything. When it came to doing a placement, it was like, right, I just want to pick something, get it done. Get through these six weeks and move on with my life. I'm lucky. <laughs> so I you chose wrong. Sheet. You chose wrong. <laughs> I looked at the sheet and I just picked the one that was at the top. AKR Fitness is top of the list. Now, um, would you say that was fate? I, <laughs> I don't know what the science would say to that. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, it was just, I applied for it. I think Mike got back to me the next day. I came in, I spoke, and I realised pretty early on, okay, this is not what I thought it was. Coaching, training is far, I don't know, far, far different to what I'd expected. Um, D- different how? It's a good question. I think for me personally, my perception of coaches was what I'd just seen maybe in local gyms, like a, a rep counter, someone who wasn't all that interested or wasn't all that useful, perhaps, if that's not too harsh to say. And so actually coming here and seeing how, you know, you care for people, how you're there to educate people, how you're there to entertain people in some ways by, you know, by mm-hmm. brightening their day. It just opened my, my mind to something that was far greater than what I expected. Thanks. Yeah. Sorry. No, no. I kind of took over there. You carry on. And so, so yeah, I suppose like that was me for six weeks. Somehow managed to stay around a little longer than that. Somehow <laughs> and, managed. And uh, here we are today. <laughs> Somehow managed. Somehow. You must have made a good impression, Adam. Yeah, to. so you, you worked with us through your fourth year of uni. Uh, and then, so how long has it been since? I can't even keep track and time. I was thinking of this earlier. I think it was 2018. That's when I placement. first came in for placement. Yeah, January. Yeah. Okay, so so by the time this airs, it'll be January 2018. Mm-hmm. Wow. So it'll be, it'll be about four years since you first came mm-hmm. 
been a little while. So when you first came into AKR, albeit part time, yeah. uh, for for some of the uni fourth year, uh-huh. yes. you realised it was different. Did you think at that time, oh, this is actually something that I could be really interested in and having a career in? It, it was, and it was only something I considered during the the placement itself, because again, funnily enough, before the start of this, I'd already like thought to myself that coaching was something I would never ever do just as I said before because what I viewed coaches as uh-huh. and what I'd known coaches as in my own experience but then as I say you go through this process where you discover you know what it can be and what it can do and yeah I kind of decided yeah this is actually pretty cool I quite want to do this. So then you got offered the job to stay mm-hmm. around and you obviously took it? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and how have you found that journey since? Till this, till this day, being a part of AKR? Yeah, it's, it's interesting because I think from the first, the first week, I would say, was mind-blowing. Like, I was totally overwhelmed with, like, everything. And it's, it's interesting to see to this day. Like, I still feel day-to-day you learn stuff, week-to-week you learn stuff. And so the place I'm in now, I feel as though I've taken on so much over the last few years I'm just quite excited for what's to come still. Tell me, just one example of that, that first week being overwhelmed and what was it that was overwhelming? And what was mind-blowing? Yeah, yes. I think this, the setup for one was interesting because I'd never seen a private space before. I'd only seen people coaching in commercial gyms and small group training, although it like seems... I don't know. It seemed like there was a lot going on, like a lot of moving parts and things. It worked so well that I was like kind of confused as to how or why it's not done so, you know, more often Uh kind of thing. And then above and beyond that, I think from a more technical coaching perspective, the language that you use was, it was incredible to me because I'd only known the physical language before of Okay, squeeze your lats. Mm-hmm. Okay, tighten up your chest. All the anatomical terms uh-huh. and things. Exactly. Yeah. Through uni, of course, which, yeah. Yeah, definitely. So was that really hard to transition away from using the anatomical language to then using analogies and... Um... User-friendly language. Yeah. User-friendly. <laughs> it actually wasn't, I would say. No. Because it was, it, it was so logical. It makes it so much simpler. And I, I don't think there, there was a reason to to not change instantly mm-hmm. because it, it just it just sort of clicked for me. Nice. Yeah. Good. And you're enjoying the process still? Still. Still. You can't say anything else, can <laughs> you? can't say, you can't say anything <laughs> Well, you can. He's honest about the AKR fitness at the top of the list. <laughs> Have you got anything else to add, Adam? Not at this moment. Not at this Excited moment. Excited to, to, yeah, see what's to come. Nice. Okay, Mike. So we'll, uh, we'll get on with the, the next part of this episode. We're going to talk about science and the methods behind it. And hopefully you can get some takeaways to sieve through the nonsense of the new year. Oh, well put, well put. Yeah, hopefully that just the word science didn't put anybody <laughs> off straight away there. Essentially, what to say, like, again, two episodes back, I made the argument that you can't always trust your brain. It's imperfect. It's not a, a rational, logical computer. So what can we trust? Um, there are so many things, like Lindsay said, the, the nonsense of the new year, not just the new year, but like we detoxes and diets and supplements and 
fitness gimmicks and there, there's so it's you know it's a minefield out there there's so much stuff so how do we know what we can trust we can't trust our always our instincts because we're biased we're influenced um so and the answer to some extent to some extent is is science so i just wanted to share today a little bit about what this science what science is what it isn't mm-hmm. uh where it works where it um, maybe the limitations of it and help people hopefully add another string to their bow when it comes to separating the you know the real useful helpful things from the stuff that is wacky and yeah. gimmicky and ultimately unhelpful so would you say through all of that that the, the best method that we do have is science to take a step back and look in at that as a a way of guiding us if you like it's it yeah it's not perfect but it's the best thing we have so mm-hmm. i'll just start with a, an example i i like and it's let's say i say to you i have a dragon that lives in my garden shed right what's just what's the first thing you might say to me is your shed big enough <laughs> <laughs> prove it prove it prove it right prove it so how do i prove it you might say well show me then can i see it mm-hmm. and then i could say well you can't see the dragon because the dragon's invisible. Okay, right? So you might think, well, chances are this dragon might not exist. But let's say, like, so what are, what's another way we can prove it? Because things there are things in life that are ex- invisible that mm-hmm. do exist. So there must be some sort of test we can do. So, okay, dragon's invisible. How about we put, uh, we put sand all over the floor of the garden shed? And then that way we can see the dragon's footprints. I'm sorry, my dragon doesn't leave any footprints. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, mm, let's say we put a thermometer in the shed so when the, you know, we can detect the heat or when, when the dragon's breathing fire, uh, you know, we can, we can detect that. And we can say, well, there's something in this shed. We might not know it's a dragon, but we know there's something that's creating heat. Sorry, can't. Uh, the, the dragon is... Uh, cold-blooded cold and, <laughs> and doesn't so the, the point is like i have to i have to control things and i have to measure things in some way mm-hmm. in order to prove the existence of this dragon and, and sooner or later if i can't people aren't going to believe that i have a dragon in my shed because i, I have to i have to provide evidence in some way shape or form mm-hmm. and extraordinary claims like I've got a dragon in my shed, require extraordinary evidence. Mm-hmm. And that's, there are so many extraordinary claims within the world of health and fitness and within the world. It's like, what evidence do we have to do it? What examples to, have we got of those claims? Are you looking for a, a health and fitness yeah, or, a, or a not? Fit- because there's, there's some people in the world that claim that the, that the planet is flat, that the world is flat. <laughs> Is it not? And I mean, this is probably a whole other thing, but the evidence that we have that that it's round, like when the astronauts go up and take pictures of the Earth, like we can we can see it. Now, mm-hmm. other people will dismiss that evidence with a fake photo and say, yeah, and say like, like that evidence not true mm-hmm. and things like that. But that that would be an example. Yeah. Like if you're going to claim, maybe they'll say claiming that we live in a in a globe in a ball is an extraordinary claim because like why are people not falling off the bottom of it? Things like that. Mm-hmm. But we have 
science to help us because we have gravity. Um, we have we have all different theories and controls mm-hmm. to figure out like reality and figure out what's true and what's not. So in nutrition, we can talk about like here's my claim that um, oh, I don't know, pick a diet. Um, you for your diet, like I, I did, like paleo diet is the is the best diet. You you shouldn't eat this. Or if you want to lose weight, follow this diet. Mm-hmm. Calories don't ma- matter. It's it's about the special supplement that you're missing in your yeah. diet. So that there's there's a claim, there's a claim there, and we have to provide evidence. And all science is, like I think sometimes people think science is this like department somewhere in the world, or yeah. you know, in, in a school or a university, there, there, there would be a science department, uh-huh. but in the world there isn't. It's a it's a process. It's a, a form of of doing things. So, like, take the the COVID situation where, like, the politicians saying, "Oh, we're following the science." You know, I'm, my dad's have debates with him. Well, they're following the same science as this other person, and uh, you know, the say the UK government and the Scottish government, do they not have the same science? Or you know, the scientists are saying this, and now they're saying this. It's like there's there's a a misunderstanding <coughs> to some extent of what science and what the scientific method is it's not like just like there's a few bunch of people somewhere in the world all wearing white coats going right where the where the science it's a method of of controlling things so if i want to know let's take um let's take an example of well i actually i'll, I'll use that example from from the world of like back pain mm-hmm. so quite often people will get told like they've got sore back and they go and see a practitioner of, of some description and they'll get told ah, the reason that your back is sore is because your pelvis is tilted a certain a certain way okay so like, how that, that uh, the person could say well look this person's got back pain and look at the way their t- pelvis is tilted like that's going to make it that's putting pressure on your back that that must be that must be why they've got back pain because the pelvis is wonky but actually what what they've done in studies is they've gone and taken, say, like a thousand people with back pain. Uh, sorry, a thousand people, half of which have back pain, half of which don't have back pain. And so that's controlling, right? Because we need we need uh, two groups. Mm-hmm. And then they go and measure everybody's uh, degree of pelvic position. And then they say, okay, so what's the what's the correlation? And they find that actually. There are tons of people with a pelvis that's tilted one way mm-hmm. or the other that have absolutely no back pain at all. And other people who maybe have a neutral pelvis and have back pain. So the point is like it's a it's a method where you control the variables mm-hmm. in order and you control for the biases like we spoke about in the in the episode before Chris. So so in a lot of studies, the both the participants and the scientists are blinded. They call that double blinding. So that's when you don't know. Difficult in a pain study, to be fair, because yeah. you know if you've got pain. Yeah. Um, but I've got other examples. Um, actually, I'll just share this example right now. <laughs> <laughs> knee pain. Uh, knee pain. What they what they did was they gave um, they gave some people knee surgery and they gave some people a sham surgery. So they they literally put a, a scar. They just put a scar on them to make them think they've got the surgery. Um, so that, again, the the person who did the surgery obviously knows who, uh-huh. who who got the surgery or not. But you, as the participant in the study, you don't know. 
if you got the study or not. So you're blinded to the outcome. So therefore, your impression of what might have happened cannot influence the outcome. Yeah. But they control the things and then they realize, right, did this variable do what I, th I thought this variable did? Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And that's like that's how we that's how we can get a better understanding of what is true and what is not. And science isn't perfect because it's run by humans and, and humans have biases and make errors and things like that. But the method, as I've said, is the best but best method that we have. So I, if I was to step on, let's say like a, in the news just now, they're making an, uh, they're testing electric aircraft, electric airplanes. Mm -hmm. So it's obviously new and it's different. If I'm going to get on a new type of aircraft, I'm going to hope that they've studied that with, you know, in the world of science, right? They've done tests. Does the thing overheat? Does the thing go as far as it's meant to go? Does it? Does Rather than just going on it and there's been no tests. So, you know, we'll just chance it. Or, well, this is a method we found. We dug up, <laughs> we dug up some, we found this old treasure chest, chest somewhere in ancient China. And we found these old blueprints from thousands of years ago that somebody had put together. And so, because that's what they thought in these wise men or ancient Greece years ago, you know, that's what they thought to be true. So therefore, it must be true. Which is which is what we do, you know. I said yeah. bias was an appeal to tradition. Mm -hmm. So it's just talking about like, yeah, that. So the best chance we have is to be sort of science based. It's and understand the evidence. Yeah, it's it's evidence based. Uh -huh. So like popular debate in nutrition and weight loss is calories in versus calories out, and you'll find some people out there in the world say like this principle of energy balance does not matter it matters about just how clean you eat for instance and i've been there mm -hmm. you know and that's that's and partly I think why at this time of year as well just to touch on there'll be so much of that out there which i think is really good to be having this conversations to get them just to mm -hmm. think actually yeah. is this evidence-based or am i just jumping on the next bandwagon of fads exactly and so you'll get gurus and so-called experts and whatever they'll say oh it's all a lie calories in calories out that's that's not it's it's more about maybe insulin or it's more. And where about are they getting that evidence eat. from? Well, th there. That's that's people who, I'm not. Like, because I was there. You you either don't understand and appreciate the scientific method. Um, you maybe are a conspiracy theorist and believe like that the astronauts' photos of the Earth are not real. Um, you're genuinely trying to do, you're genuinely trying to help, but your own biases are getting in your way. It's an in-group bias. It's a mm -hmm. confirmation bias. It's, it's something else. Um, but to go back to the science on it, when they, for energy balance, what they do is they take people and they put them in a, I'm trying to think what the, what the term is, but like a nutrition lab where they can literally control uh, or measure how much energy someone expends and they control how much food they give them. And this concept of calories in, calories out is never violated in that setting. Sometimes it appears to be violated out in real life when you're like, oh, I ate, I was in a calorie deficit and I did not lose any weight. But you weren't 100% fully controlled like you would have been in a scientific uh -huh. environment. Your mind got in the way, you forgot that extra biscuit you mm -hmm. had or the, the way that you tracked your food wasn't 
wasn't correct or things like that. If only um, we could all go into a science <laughs> lab once every couple of months. Yeah. And, and so the scientific method is just controlling variables, um, trying to predict, protect against our natural human biases. And then it goes through this process of peer review where, you ha where the scientists, the researchers would write up what their experiment was. Um, fully, like, did you have to do a, a mm -hmm. research project at uni? Yeah. It's like, so as a, as a budding scientist at uni, you do a... <laughs> budding scientist. <laughs> what sort of thing would you have to do? Do you remember, Adam? My research project was pretty dull. I can share a little bit about it, but did you do anything interesting? I can't uh, mine was on measuring muscle mass within people. And right. like different, it was comparing two different methods of measuring muscle mass, one to another. Yeah. So two different Doesn't tools. Doesn't sound as though you find that too interesting. <laughs> I'm sure I understand. It was skinfolds and it was a yeah. 3D scanner, wasn't it? That was it, yeah. Yeah. And then were you trying to decide what one was best? So it was, it, it was basically saying that skinfolds are our current most practical and best measure for estimating muscle mass. Mm -hmm. But can we use this high-tech 3D scanner, which is far quicker and more efficient? And so it was essentially trying to assess, are the results of the scanner as similar to skinfolds as we'd like them to be? And can you think of some form of controls that you had to use when you collected your data or when you did your study? Ooh, taking me back now, <laughs> I <don't> think. <laughs> it's easier for you than it is no, for me. No, I was going to say, not about Haggard Mike. Haggard Mike. <laughs> I know. Um, I don't know. I mean, I guess being a, even just a, a neutral researcher, I suppose, who didn't care for either outcome. Mm -hmm. I suppose if you go into that, that specific example with the intention of proving that the scanner would be as effective as skinfolds, you might be more inclined to look for that as an outcome. Look for that evidence, yes. Yeah, and that was, that was one I wanted to share. There's a, there's a nutrition researcher, Brian Wansink, uh, there's a famous book he had called, I think it was Mindless mm -hmm. Eating. And it, it's a few years ago now, but he actually had to retract a number of studies because it turned out he was like falsifying uh, the, the conclusions he drew were not supported by the data he collected in his studies. And so in its examples, like, listen, science is not perfect because there are still humans and there are still biases brought to the table. Mm -hmm. But ultimately he got found out and there's this process of peer review where things get ch uh, checked or one study doesn't prove anything. It's like, is that study repeatable? So if Adam does his study and finds like this groundbreaking thing, well, then another research group will probably try and replicate it and say, well, hold on, we did the same thing as you and we didn't find that at all. And so it's, it's, there's like forms of checks and balances mm -hmm. to keep people, to keep things away from, from the, the biases that we have. Yeah. And so one in, in your study, if you're doing, so the term anthropometry is the, is the measurement of man. And one of the techniques you used was skin folds. But in order to take the skin folds, you have to be at a certain level of practitioner and there's a set like markers on the body mm -hmm. and you were certified, I imagine, mm -hmm. in, in, in taking the skin folds. So because the data has to be collected accurately in order for the conclusions to yeah. to be you know mm -hmm. valid is the mm -hmm. word um, and that doesn't that doesn't happen when it's 
your mate from the gym or, you know, your parent friend outside the school gate saying, oh, I did this, this great thing and it worked for me. Okay, well, did it There's work for you? Variables, is there? Yeah, like, did it work for you for the reason that you thought it worked? Do you know, I went on this X diet and it really worked. Yeah, well, it worked because you ate less food. That is supported by the science, but the, the, it didn't work because of this magic supplement that you took or the fact, you know, you were maybe doing more exercise or, you, you know, you're doing other things mm -hmm. in there. And so that, that's the... I love, I love the term correlation is not causation. And so in a, in a diet context, it's easy to think, oh, well, I consumed this supplement or I followed this plan and that is why I got the results I wanted. Mm -hmm. When in reality, it's because you've adhered to the principles of, of weight loss. Mm -hmm. You followed your calorie deficit. That's actually what's caused your results to occur. Exactly. There's, yeah. there's, a, there's one that it was going around the internet years ago, back when I was blogging, where it's like there's a correlation between ice cream consumption and shark attacks. <laughs> what? So does, does eating ice cream... <laughs> Does eating ice cream make it more likely that you're going to suffer a shark attack? No, the correlation is like when the weather's warmer, you more people are buying ice cream and more people are in the sea. <laughs> so it's it's that it's it's that sort of thing. It's like did did the thing work? Was the was the connection there because it's a true causality, mm -hmm. or or was it one of those like things that appears to be the case? And what we're saying is science is our best chance at understanding that. If you don't, I, I don't know what else you can go on. Do you know, you, you can go on personal experience. Mm -hmm. Well, do you know what? Like when I, when I eat my porridge in the morning, I lose more weight or, or whatever. I'm trying to think of an example, right? And in your personal experience, if that works for you, that's fine but it might not work for the reasons you thought it worked. And that doesn't mean it's gonna work for everybody else. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, I would say that's another limitation of science as well, because studies typically have a lot of individual variation. So if there's a hundred people in the study, let's say it was a study to see um, what's the best rep range for building muscle when I'm doing squats. And you have a uh, hundred people doing six reps, for six weeks and other people do 12 reps and other people do 20 reps. And what you do is you, and you, and you would probably also do six weeks of that and then you'd have a detraining period and then you'd mix up the groups. Mm -hmm. um, but there are some people that will build way more muscle than others anyway, because that's their genetic makeup. And so there's, they, they call it N equals one. So N in a scientific study, N usually refers to the number of participants in the study. So N equals one is when you're just like your own study. It's just you. Mm -hmm. And so you might, you might not always respond in the same way as the study truly found, but it's still the best tool that we, we have to go on because what else, what else can you go on? Mm -hmm. You can go on your personal experience, but, you can go, but you can, you're, you'd be wiser to do things that are evidence-based, um, which can be science, it can be if your own if, you, if you're doing your own little self-experiments and what if say the listener is overwhelmed by all this and how do i trust what science is best like there's so much information out there and some people claim that they're evidence-based but 
maybe they're not. How how can the listener under, like? It's very difficult. It's very difficult because there's such a thing as pseudoscience, which is something that appears to be science and, and isn't. And and to be honest, the paleo diet, like back in those days, like when I was involved in that, that was that was kind of pseudoscience middle muddled in with my own set of biases. Um so like give us an, like give us a deeper understanding of that so the listener can understand what you mean. That could be that could be that could be cherry picking a single study. Maybe it's here's a situation, right? You've got a TV doctor who says, "Here's the here's the new groundbreaking way to lose weight." It's based on this study, and so you think, "Well, do you know what? The guy's a doctor. Mm-hmm. He's saying it's science based. It's study. Intuitively, it makes sense because it's 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 you know it just makes sense like that." If I eat less chocolate, I'm going to lose weight or something like that. But actually, maybe this maybe the study was sponsored by the company that sells the diet. Maybe it was a study that only had six participants and there was no double blinding. And maybe the study wasn't peer reviewed. So it's not actually science; it's pseudoscience. But that's that's where it's really difficult. Uh-huh. And in a couple of episodes time, we're going to try and like pull this together and give people more of a compass of where mm-hmm. to go with it. But it's, but if we go through the steps, like difficult to trust your brain because you've got biases. The scientific method is our best hope of detecting what's reality. Again, another limitation is, of course, it evolves because our technology evolves. Uh, Studies get replicated and redone and things like that, and and more things get found out. And what we thought was true, um, again, go back to like um, astronomy, what, what previous people who would have been considered scientists hundreds of years ago, what they thought about the universe, they're now learning actually something different. We mm-hmm. used to, when I was a kid, there were nine planets in the solar system. Yes. Right? <laughs> but now we can see further. Uh-huh. We've got better methods. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, so that that's a limitation. But I think the takeaway is if you can have a skeptical, a skeptical eye, both on your own brain and both like, what is this claim? Again, the more extraordinary the claim, the more, the more, uh, extraordinary the evidence needs to be. Mm-hmm. If someone's going to say, look, here's this new thing. Uh, I can give you this one pill and you're going to lose weight and feel great and blah, blah, blah. It's like, that sounds pretty extraordinary, you know? Like, yeah. okay, what what evidence? If it was something like that, I would I would expect tons of studies to supporting mm-hmm. it, things like yeah. that. Um, so just being open-minded about what is out there, basically, and taking the approach that we need evidence yeah, being 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 skeptical um, rather than open minded. Do you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. kind of open minded, but kind of like this sounds a bit. It's not quite too right. good to be true. <laughs> this sounds yeah. a bit too good be t- to be true. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And where was this? And like, if we did a study, like, how would this come together? Mm-hmm. Do you know? And that there's so many people, especially at this time of year, that just get drawn into the the mad you know, the, the latest trends and things like yeah. that. And it's just like, let's think about it. And we've had so many guests on talking about that. Actually, I've learned over and over again, it's, I just need to do the basics. Yeah. The things that are evidence-based, the things that um, are principle-based. Um, and which we'll get into in the, the last episode of the season, I believe. Yes, 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 we will. Boys, do you have anything else to add to this episode? I think that's it. I think that was my, Are you my sure, main Mike? points. I'm just <laughs> checking some of the notes I wrote down. 
listen, I hope I hope it wasn't too. I hope we were able to to make make the point that we wanted to make. Mm-hmm. Um, don't want to. I know, like, you know, I'm not going to question other like whatever beliefs people have in their in their life in the world. And I will say, like, someone said to me once years ago in here, well, science doesn't know everything. It's like, yeah, I know. Like, let's take here's here's an example, right? This this links back to this other episode uh, a couple back. So let's take Tai Chi, okay? Tai Chi is an activity that's been, it's an ancient uh, Chinese, if I'm not mistaken, like exercise. It's a mm-hmm. form of light flowing exercise. Mm-hmm. Now for centuries, it's probably been done. And what the point is, it's, it's, it's the chi, like you're moving, you're moving this form of energy around your body. Um, and people feel better for Tai Chi. Now, in scientific studies, Chi has never been, never been uh, proven to exist. Okay, that's not to say, so um, absence of evidence is not evidence of absence. Just because we cannot detect this Chi does, mo- does not mean that it doesn't exist. But by the best measures we have in our world today, it's looking a bit like the dragon that lives in my shed. Do you know you're like? But it makes the the person that's practicing the Tai Chi feel better. Right, so Tai Chi works. They've done scientific studies where they've controlled and they've given people Tai Chi and people feel more mobile and less stressed and things like that. And was it because they were moving and flowing this Chi around their body or was it because they were moving blood around their body, mm-hmm. aka exercising yeah. and breathing and doing some mindfulness and being present? And, and studies have shown that these things are real. Um, studies haven't shown that chi exists. And again, I want to be clear: I'm not not poo-pooing anybody's <laughs> anybody's beliefs. Um, I'm just saying, like, the best tool we have to figure out what is real is. Science And by science, it's not this big department of boffins. It's just controlling the variables and doing tests, controlling our own biases and saying like, well, if we control for everything else, does this, does this thing do what we thought it did? You know, if we, if we did, if we did squats versus a leg press machine, right? We could control, we could get, we could build the same training program. We could give people the same calories of eating. We could uh, have some people doing squats, some people doing leg press. We could run it for a period of time and we could say, okay, so all other things being equal, i.e. controlled, which exercise is better at building strength or growing muscle, things like that. That, like, That's, that's all the scientific mm-hmm. method is. Um, it's controlling the variables, controlling for the biases and using that to find out what is real as best we understand it in the world today well summarized so yeah we'll leave it there as i said i hope i hope that uh, wasn't too dry and has some value and in a couple episodes time we'll bring it on a little bit further and hopefully give give some takeaways for people yeah i think that summarized it really well um if you haven't already listeners please head back to episode 36 and uh i think the the start of the series with how your brain may fool you really ties in well with this one before going on to the third and final episode of the series. Adam, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. As always, Michael. 
Thank you. If you've got any questions or you want to reach out, please email us at podcast at AKR Fitness and we will see you in the next one. Thank <laughs> you.